0: this is the physical activity researcher podcast a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior physical activity and sports join for a relaxed dialogue about research design practicalities and well anything related to research learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications and here is your host welcome back
1: everyone this is the second part of our podcast with dr matti Peura. Matti is an occupational health physician, and in the past he has worked as a plastic surgeon. Dr. Matti Peora helps people to overcome their medical issues and achieve their best health. In this second part, we will discuss the role of physical activity in our mental and physical well-being. And we will also talk about behavior change and about the tools that help making a change easier. We are living in a time of sedentary behavior and obesity pandemic in the world. Many of us are thinking about making a change towards better. We know what we are supposed to do, but still, quite often, we fail in fulfilling the expectations of others and ourselves. As a physician, do you consult patients about these topics? I mean, physical activity, obesity, so on.
0: Yeah, I have quite a lot of patients who who, deal with this deal with the problems related to obesity and uh, concurrent um, diseases just as diabetes and hypertension
1: so so that is like an everyday topic for you to talk about it's
0: quite it's it's very common it's um well to be honest uh, to to continue from with the previous topic and the idea of the the value definition i i have uh, i have um I have applied this same method of thinking with treatment helping of patients with obesity because like you said that, um, we know what we're supposed to do. It's everywhere. So it would be kind of like actually a waste of time for me to work as an authority again for a patient to blame them for not doing the right thing and not trying enough. So that really, really helps. So we have to dig with obesity. We have to go behind to the actual cause. What causes obesity?
1: Yeah, just that. So how do you when somebody comes to you, your patient or client? So how do you like start? Do you have a method that has helped you to get good results? Or like, um, I agree definitely that uh, it's uh, there's no point of telling the same things that most of us know. And I guess this is, I think, the medical care. Stuff we are not succeeding actually in helping people making a change in in people's lives. And what's your opinion on why are we not succeeding? And what is your method to do that?
0: If you want to have my honest honest answer, I work totally differently. I mean, my approach to this problem um, is related, or I base my my work and science on, on neurobiology. So basically, in the brain, we have the limbic system, which is mostly uh, responsible of these emotion-related actions. I mean, it's quite simple, the, the lizard brain, how it works, that we we want to gain pleasure and we want to avoid pain. That's quite how simple it goes. So um we rush towards the fridge to get some ice cream or whatever when we feel like doing it or then if someone wants to attack us we want to run away so we don't think about anything else during that during those urgings or cravings you know but with the human human brain on top of the lizard or, or the when the when the human human monkey gained consciousness of who he or she is it was Um, it occurs simultaneously with with the value definitions, basically. So I am this, and these things have to happen for me to, for example, feel safe. So we go back to the same question, you know. So when there's a value conflict, you know, you're confused. Like, okay, I'm supposed to feel safe, but I'm not feeling safe. So the lizard brain, the lower or the middle part of the brain activates, and you start... Like, you you go into the the mode of these primitive emotion-guided actions. So you're in this um, conflict. You want to solve the conflict through these primitive actions. So that's why you go and put something in your mouth. That is a really basic response for the anxiety, you know.
1: Are you saying that you should find something else to... Uh, Do instead?
0: No, that's tricking yourself. Basically, that's like you want to stop smoking and you go into nicotine chewing gum, you know. Yeah. But basically, I mean, first of all, you have to understand that there's this pattern of of um, the pattern of behavior. That's the first step. I mean, if you go in front of the mirror and you see something you don't like, I mean, that doesn't help. It just raises the problem that you're not satisfied, it it increases this value conflict and it goes back to the negative cycle, I mean. So first of all, you should feel content with who you are, you know. You should feel that there's something positive, there's something that you can control in your life, that you have some kind of balance and then start slowly building on top of that, you know. Because otherwise, if you go the other way around and you kind of like... With with force, you're trying to just diet, you know. You're trying to reduce weight. And you're not going into the background, the value definitions. They will be there anyway. They won't change unless you really, really evaluate them. You will end up in the rebound when your strength, because your strength is limited, the mental strength is limited. And at some point, you will just run out of energy and you start eating again, and, the, and even worse. you know. Yeah
1: you end up in the same. So in your opinion, what are the biggest misunderstandings that people have when it comes to making a change in their habits? Like, is this the same? Like, I don't know, you said that we only have a certain amount of mental strength.
0: I think I mean, and there's like one thing is that we tend to put people in boxes, like we we tend to see i tend to or i tend to see you as me like i have strength so you you have to have strength as well you know but that's not the, that's not the, how it is we are individual for example in our capability to to understand in our capability to discipline ourselves so you can't put people in boxes that's the first thing you know and then you you should you should reach out to the individual and see like how, what is your capability now to have control in your life, and you start with the small steps. You know, you start with the value definitions that you are, you feel safe, you have the ability to feel safe in, and you can train these thoughts. And then, on top of that, then you start building. Okay, what would I want next? You know?
1: Okay, so like as we in the first part we were talking about depression, depression a lot, and to, how to overcome. So, how important is physical activity? and or exercise when someone has a mental or physical health problem how do you see that like uh, w- yeah when making a change towards a healthier better life how how important would you Well I
0: I would say that the most important thing is the in, this is just my opinion maybe I'm wrong but the most important thing in 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 my opinion is that You have to use all other senses as well in your life. I mean, when you do physical exercise, you start to direct your focus on your muscles, you know, on your skin, and you start to feel that, okay, I'm alive as well. I'm alive elsewhere, not only in my brain, you know, in these thoughts. I'm alive in my fingertips, you know. And I'm, I'm capable of building muscle. I'm capable of feeling better, you know. And I think that's the big, biggest thing in physical activity. And then you start building on that slowly, you're st- starting to get stronger, you know. And actually, I know from personal experience, because while well, I play basketball and I kind of experience on myself, you know, and uh I'm not super super tall, I'm not super strong, but then I started to think, okay, maybe I should be stronger. I've never had this idea that I should be stronger, and I started lifting weights, and with weight lifting, it's also the same that you kind of have to define yourself as a strong person in order to lift strong weights, you know, because you're constantly kind of on the edge of getting over the next step, but you really, really have to see yourself on the next step in order to get there
1: this podcast is sponsored by fibian fibian is an accurate sitting and physical activity tracking device and analysis platform it is a great tool for projects that aim for behavior change in sedentary behavior and incidental physical activity fibian provides easy to understand pdf and web browser reports for participants. Other features include comparisons to recommendations, linking results to health risks, achievement cards, and interactive goal-setting tool. In addition, Fibion provides an API that allows for easy integration to other systems and applications. Learn more about Fibion at fibion.com slash research. Fibion. From researchers to researchers. So, so you have to redefine yourself So when we come back to the physical activity, quite often we hear that people nowadays are not meeting the requirements of physical activity. And of course, I know there can be a lot of opinions about these requirements, but um, do you use any tools to assess or measure the activity of um, of your patients or would you like to... Use anything just to get the kind of like a picture. Definitely, yeah.
0: it would be useful. I mean, any anything that's uh, like quant, quantitative, anything that could be quantified and shown as a figure really help because it, then it's like an objective view of the, for example, activity. It's the same with food, of, of as well that if you would have the tool, for example, to show the calorie amount and then the used calories. What's the right word? Well, used maybe. So that would kind of help the person to, to, to visually see where, where he or she is. But then I still want to point out that that's only part of the truth, you know? I mean, it's, um, you, you can get lost into this measurement and again, not like, like kind of escape from the fact that actually there's something really wrong behind that. And I'm not that convinced that it goes other way around because I think that, you know, with health, the problem with health is that there is no upper limit. I mean, you you can never be fully healthy because there's always something you want to improve. And you, if you're kind of like chasing the train that you will never reach, would you ever be really happy?
1: Oh, that's a good yeah. question, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it's like this uh, disease of perfectionism yeah. a little bit maybe that we have and I, at least it's my my personal opinion that um, yeah I feel like um, maybe I personally feel that um, having a, sometimes like a baseline measurement whether it's uh, eating habits or maybe physical activity can be useful because you can you can kind of like use this as a starting point and you can Show your patient. I usually,
0: I, I commonly use this. Um, it's Saihan's grip um, strength. I don't know if you're familiar. So you can you can measure the yeah, g- the yes, grip I... strength, and that's co- that color correlates quite a lot with the with the mu- muscle muscle. Like how what's the maximum tension you can have in the in the upper body? So I mean, they definitely help, and they give an give a example for the person. Where they are more or less. But of course, I mean, if you're dealing with a person who has like severe obesity, that, that kind of like, I mean, you can, you can see it when the person comes through the inside the, your room through the door. You can immediately say, like, what is the situation? So in that sense, I mean, I would, I would say that, um, the, the activity measurements help more in those, those patients who already have some kind of control of their, Discipline in doing exercise, and and, in that sense, like like um, like, um, in the sense that to um, maintain the level where they want to be.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah. I I I personally feel that sometimes maybe with elderly people who tend to have uh, less physical activity, they don't maybe have so many um, medical issues even, but like the physical activity levels tend to go down, and then the measurement is kind of a good way to show where you are in, for example in comparison to the uh, recommendations and your age group, that could be a good group of um, mm-hmm. patients. Yeah,
0: definitely. That, that definitely is a, Because with with time, there's this tricky thing with time that it only goes into one direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's good. That's, that's a good one, yeah. Um, so one of our goals in this podcast is to bring researchers and practitioners together. So um, do you have any thoughts on like um, from the physical activity researchers is there anything that you would like the researchers and practitioners achieve together have you thought do you have any thoughts like any tools that you'd like to use or or I I know that until now you've said that maybe it's not even essential but what are your thoughts do you have any ideas
0: (laughs) As an occupational healthcare doctor, I see a lot of, lot of, um, like this kind of, uh, repetitive, uh, work proce- procedure related, um, stress I- injuries, especially with the yeah. upper body. I mean, shoulder, elbows. So I think yeah. there's a lot of things to improve with this. Like, how could we support the musculoskeletal system in this certain work, work, um, or certain occupations. And I think that could be a really good field of research. Hmm? So
1: you're talking about the overuse injuries of, yeah. of the upper arm, yeah. like, uh, Because
0: yeah, they, are, elbow, they have been doing shoulder. this, uh, yeah. these exos, I have been reading a bit about these exoskeletons, you know, that you have kind of an, a support of, of the shoulder or uh, upper extremities. And that helps you, that makes the work easier, less stressful. And, and that, that, that IT th- I see as a really promising field and and maybe maybe some robotics robotics could be also helping people do manual manual labor in the future
1: yeah that that would be that's definitely an interesting interesting research going but on then, there or, and
0: another can I, if i can say w- with the, with the exercise and i definitely would would support people doing like physical exercise doing the workday. i mean well I go to the gym uh once a day during middle of in, in the middle of the day because it like somehow I have noticed that it really helps me focus on the on, on my patients uh, like in the, in the afternoon so that's a thing to think about how to make how to how to stop the constant um uh, burden of, of the brain
1: uh, yeah and I guess that there's a lot of difference in in some some workplaces, it's possible that you can arrange your time and do that, and other places maybe not so. I guess it's a it's a challenge for us or definitely in the society to to make it possible for everybody.
0: But I would see I would see that it would be I mean it would be really really interesting field for to do research. I mean, what are the benefits?
1: Yeah, I, I guess there's some research maybe done, but yes, definitely we need more to make policies out of it. Um, so Matti, to sum up, if you could um, say just one thing that in the medical staff or like physicians, maybe physical therapists, uh, other people working with patients, what could we do better to get better results with our clients in the when we are thinking about uh, behavior change?
0: One thing is that you have to follow up on your patients. I mean, we we tend to leave our patients quite. A bit alone with their problems and i think that if if we would have more like follow-up times available and we would kind of like help help them in that sense that they would know that okay there's this follow-up for me i i think that would really make a difference but unfortunately the tendency is going just the opposite direction the visit times are are quite short and there's not even enough time for the person to actually say what the problem is.
1: Yes, I agree with that. We have done in the physical therapy research and, um, and the patients really want the follow-ups. We know that that's what they're expecting and I think it's, um, we should work towards that. Um, so, um, from where can our listeners find you? You are um, working in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, you're writing a blog. Um but um is there any way that people can approach you via the internet too or what do you say about that
0: <laughs> Yeah you can you can check the website uh, fi. you can send an email uh through the website Yeah I at the moment um I'm living quite quietly I'm not like Promoting my stuff that much, but um, maybe in the future m- will be more active if people want to hear my thoughts. So, so yeah, maybe more. I don't, I'm not. I'm. I'm not promising anything. But if if someone is interested, of course, you can email me.
1: Yeah. Okay. We will have the your web page and information about your blog yeah. in the description of the podcast. Uh, so thank you, Matti, so much for taking the time and being here today. And thank you all for listening. This was Practitioner's Viewpoint and see you again next week. Thank
0: you. Bye.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate the rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.